I realized that it wasn't gymnastics that I hated. It wasn't gymnastics that was carrying that guilt or that anger. It was the way it happened. Olympic Channel Podcast. That was US national champion gymnast Christy Phillips. I'm Ed Knowles, and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. We find the best people to talk about the biggest Olympic talking points every single week in order to inspire and motivate. If you love the Olympics, subscribe right now wherever you find your podcasts. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. There's a Sports Illustrated magazine cover from September 1987 with a 14-year-old gymnast on the front. She's smiling at the camera in a leotard on a balance beam and she's upside down naturally. The headline says, the new Mary Lou. That gymnast was Christy Phillips, but the US national champion from 1987, the next Mary Lou Retton, never made it to the Olympic Games in 1988. Devastated, she removed herself from the sport and started a new life. She moved on to the next thing. Then she made a return to gymnastics in the late 90s, gradually finding peace with the sport, and now she's a respected judge and coach. Ahead of the US Nationals, we sent Scott Bregman to find out a little bit more about Christy. Olympic Channel Podcast. Christy Phillips, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, it's an honor. <laughs> Well, so we're heading into kind of prime time for gymnastics season. So it's great to have someone who's, you've lived your whole life in the sport, basically. So it's good to have the expert. Um, but let's start with you. You were, for those who might not remember, the 86, 87 American Cup champion, 87 U.S. champion, went to Worlds, and then an alternate for the Olympic team. We're going to go, we're going to start at the very beginning and just like tell me how you like first kind of got started in gymnastics, how you fell in love with it. Well, I basically had the dance mom of gymnastics, and her little daughter was in beauty pageants. So I was in beauty pageants before I could walk, and all the other little girls did dance or sang or played the piano, and so her daughter was gonna do something different. And my mom put me into acrobatics at the dance studio, and then that led into gymnastics, and it was just kind of like a snowball from there. Um, just, I loved it and was natural naturally flexible, naturally strong, and I guess had a good head on my shoulders for the sport. And so I moved away from home at the eight, ripe old age of eight and trained with uh, the 1976 Olympic coach, Fanny Edwards, up in his program. And then when the Corollis moved to this country, I ventured their way. <laughs> and that was, you know, as you say, yeah, when you move and you start training with the Corollis, like gymnastics in this country is really different because we didn't have Mary Lou, yeah, you know, Nadia has just kind of come in onto the scene. Like, what do you remember from like being exposed to the Olympics or gymnastics like when you were eight? Well, I remember when the, I think it was like the, in 78, when world championships came to Texas and being from Louisiana, of course, my mom got tickets, front row tickets, no, not really front row, but we got tickets and it was just such a cool experience to be able to see that and experience that at like seven or eight years old. And I don't really know that I wanted to do it to that level or that I could do it at that level, but it was just kind of like, that was what was next. That's what I wanted to do. That's where I was going. And it just kind of, it didn't seem like bigger than it really now that I'm older and can look back at what I really accomplished. I had no idea at the time. I just was 
what was next? Okay, this is next. That's what I'm going to do. And so it just kind of snowballed into a pretty amazing career. Tell me about um, getting into that spotlight and having the attention and, and maybe some of that pressure that's sort of building as you get closer to the Olympics as like the next Mary Lou. I think we all have seen that cover. The, the cover of Sports Illustrated, the curse. Um, no. Well, in 86, I was very fortunate. I was entered into the American Cup and I was this little 13-year-old. No one knew. I had no expectations. And honestly, if you hear Bella Crowley tell the story, he tells it really well because I remember looking around the arena and I looked up at my coach and I'm like, I'm going to win this. And he's like, looked at, I mean, to hear him tell the story and then for all of it to just kind of come full circle. And I was that person that like, and I still am that person that if I want something, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Christy became US champion in 1987. But there's a headline from the year after, dated almost exactly two years after that Sports Illustrated cover. And it says, timing is everything. And Christy Phillips's timing was way off. Writing for the Deseret News back in 1988, Doug Robinson said, Phillips has battled weight problems and self-doubt, changed coaches and then changed the game and now has fallen from her perch atop of the gymnastics world. In the end, Christy finished eighth in the US Olympic trials in Salt Lake City in 1988. Eighth place is the second alternate on the Olympic team, but the second alternate didn't travel to the Olympic Games. Being removed from your career, we're talking like almost, I guess, more than three decades. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but obviously, like, you can recognize that, like, all that you accomplished. But I, at the time, I'm sure 1988 was a, was a tough, tough year. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. How, did, how were you feeling in that moment? And then how do you come to terms with that and start to move forward? And, and you've lived your whole life, obviously, involved in gymnastics. So Competing in the championships and then Olympic trials in 1988, there were only two athletes in the top 10 that didn't have any falls, and I was one of them. I did my job. I did the best I could do. And in the moment, like, it wasn't good enough. And it's devastating. You know, that's devastating at 16 years old to have been the creme of the crop, the top athlete the year before, and then all of a sudden, everybody, including the newspapers, including the media, are like, well, she's hit puberty. Her butt's six inches away from her head now. She can't get her butt on her head. She's just not as good anymore. And, you know, what is that outside influence on my actual performance? Because I did my job, but then all those outside exterior influences affected the big picture. Um, and unfortunately, that's a part of life. And to learn that at 16 was pretty brutal. Um, up until the time they left to go to the Olympics, I was always under the impression that I was going to get to go and be a part of it. And literally, like right as they were leaving, I would found out I wasn't going. So I think that was almost more devastating than if it had just been pretty clean cut. Like I trained with the Olympic team. I did that pre-Olympic competition right before you leave the whole nine yards. So I think more devastating than not was just the way the situation was handled to me as a person, that I was just there and no one really cared enough to let me know what was going on. I don't think I truly found out that I was a real alternate until we had the 
Olympic ceremony at the last Olympic trials when all the Olympians got to walk around the state, uh, across the stage, I questioned it. I'm calling, you know, our national governing body going, should I really be a part of this? Like, I, I never knew where I stood. Never got a t-shirt, never really, I mean, here I am training with the Olympic team, here I am supposed to go, and then I don't go. Like, I just never really knew for 20 years, almost 28 years, like, where where was my position on this team? And then so when I was told, oh, my God, absolutely, you're the second alternate. And I was like, I always knew that, but it was never really public, I guess. I don't know. And so when I heard that, like, I just had the most amazing emotional breakdown as I'm driving across country with my family in this van to go to Olympic trials. And it was just... um an emotional awakening just to feel like I actually was a part of something. Well, it, you, you're saying that it took until 2016 to really feel that like closure or like? It took until 2016 to understand what my part, sure. where I was, what was my true title? Was I really an alternate? Like what people always ask, you know, well, you were an Olympian. I'm like, no, I wasn't an Olympian. I didn't get to compete in the Olympics. Well, you were an alternate. Well, yeah, I was the second alternate, but I didn't get to travel. So, like, just where is that position? And because um, I'm not one to boast or glorify anything that I've accomplished. I'm super proud of myself, but I'm a pretty humble as well as everything that I did accomplish. And I appreciate the realness when that moment happened. For me, it just, like, opened up a whole new, like, acceptance for my position and the role I played. Sure. Did you ever think like, I'm just, I'm done with gymnastics? Like, Oh my gosh, absolutely. When it was, when they left and got on the airplane and I'm sitting there in Houston, Texas going, what, what am I doing? Like, what's next? Because there was always a plan, you know, what's next? And I just like, let's go home. I want to be a cheerleader. I want to go to high school. I want a boyfriend. I want to go to the movies. I want to go shopping. You know, I just wanted to be at that moment. I just wanted to be normal. And so I went home and, you know, lived a lifetime in a couple of years. <laughs> Christy went to Louisiana State University. She was a competitive cheerleader there. After college, she moved to New York and she was busy. Was she happy? Well, she met someone and that someone changed her life. I think once I retired from gymnastics and I took a, pretty much 11, well, maybe like nine years away from the sport completely, never watched the Olympics on TV, didn't really want anything to do with the sport of gymnastics. Um, and then I met this rock star and he and I, we kind of fell in love. And it took someone outside of my family, someone that I wanted to impress to help me realize what I accomplished in my life and not what I failed at. Because all I could see in myself was everything that I failed at. And I failed at not going to the Olympics. And that was really my main focus. And he helped me to see what I had accomplished at such a young age. And starting to realize that kind of snowballed. And I am you know, was living in New York City. And I was dancing on with a dance company. I was modeling. I was doing stunt work, film work, commercials, all kind of cool stuff. But there's still in that deep in the pit of my stomach was just like, always looking for what is next, what is next. And he dared me to come back in the sport of gymnastics. So in 1999 and 2000, at the ripe old age of 27, 
I decided to do a comeback and I realized that it wasn't gymnastics that I hated. It wasn't gymnastics that was carrying that guilt or that anger. It was the way it happened and the way we were treated and the way I felt as a human being. And I just felt like it, I didn't matter. And so to matter to someone else meant the world to me. And so through that experience of doing gymnastics again, I found my love and my passion for all the sport does have to offer. It offers much more than an Olympic accolade or a national title. It was grounding. It made me an extremely hard worker, super motivated. Don't tell me I'm not going to do something because I will prove you wrong. It gave me that in my spirit, and I will be successful because of all of that. Therefore, now I have two gyms. I judge full-time. I'm a mom, a wife, I'm pretty good at all of it, but not great at anything kind of thing, but I love every minute of it. Now, Christy is a judge. Christy knows her stuff, and she thinks Simone Biles is the best of all time. The, the biggest reward right now is the level of difficulty that the athlete puts into her team. So the more difficulty, the harder skills, the skills that very few people can do, like Simone. She's like this like alien from another planet. She's so amazing. I absolutely love watching her. I just like, watching her do gymnastics makes me smile because it looks effortless. And she's doing skills that like I could never do in a spotting belt on a tumble track into the ocean. Like, She's just amazing. So her level of difficulty is so much greater than the rest of the world that when you're, when you're measuring that, like she should be rewarded for that. Now, on the other hand, there's another part of the score that's the execution, which is your 10.0. Everybody still starts from that 10.0 and the, the way they do it with straight legs, pointed toes, grace, body posture, do they land and make it look light and effortless? That's where the 10.0 kind of scale comes into place. And the worse they perform and execute those high level skills, the lower that score will be. But if the difficulty's way up here, they add them together and it kind of balances out. Where Simone does all of that difficulty and she executes it very nicely. So she is that just um, untouchable. I don't even know another word to describe her. She's absolutely amazing, and it's just fun to watch her do gymnastics. And it seems like she loves what she's doing, too, so it's a bonus. Do you think she's the greatest gymnast of all time? Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. At this point, there's no one that can make the sport look so easy and perform the difficulty that she performs. I mean, it's amazing. And obviously the rest of the U.S. team, no slouches either. They've kind of dominated the sport for the last decade or so, more than that, maybe almost getting close to two decades at this point. Um, but just tell me a little bit more about people like Morgan Hurd, Riley McCusker, Leanne Wong, some of the athletes that are going to be probably factors in the next year. I mean, I think there's what, – what comes down to with, I think, the t Team USA is they're clean. Their execution, that 10.0 system that we are all accustomed to – USA 
has a higher level of execution in their difficulty skills, where you're gonna see some of the other countries that are performing those difficult skills, not as difficult as Simone, but that next level down, they're performing those same skills that Morgan is performing and that Riley's performing, Grace McCullen, that all of them are performing, they just don't perform them with quite the dynamics and execution and internal amplitude that the Americans are able to pull off. Now, they're getting better and better because they're getting stronger and stronger too. And when you have the bar set here, everybody's everybody's working to get there. And there's a lot of really good, talented young ladies coming up from all around the world. So it'll be an interesting Olympics. Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting time in the sport, especially in the United States for the last yes. two or three years, unfortunately. Yes. But you know, I think for both of us, um, gymnastics has given us a lot of opportunity, yes. and I know it means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to you. So, how do you think you? I mean, you have a front row seat to gymnastics in the U.S. Mm-hmm. How have you kind of seen things start to like turn and and make a change in the last? two or three seasons? Well, I can tell you back in the 80s, the athletes had no voice, none whatsoever. And I do believe the athletes have a really big voice now and people do listen and pay attention to their needs, whether it's an injury or the way that they are spoken to or the way that they are compared to other things in life, other athletes in life. I don't think that type of program exists as much, I'm sure it's still out there, but at those top levels, it's very much changed. And they've, the team has come together. The coaches are working together now. Like back in my generation, the coaches would not do one thing to help each other. Like if my board was set wrong and a coach knew it, like my board was set wrong. Whereas today, the coaches are working together to come together for the team. And I think that has been a really, really good, strong um, change in that culture. I've seen a lot of good turnover at our top levels in our federation, and I believe that they are trying to do and make changes. I don't know, you can't do this overnight. I mean, this is a you know a corporation, it's not gonna change overnight, but my true feeling is if they don't start changing the state and the regional levels, it doesn't really matter what happens at the top because all of their little fish aren't doing what they need to be doing to make a change in the right direction. What do you think the future holds for gymnastics in this country? I think that it's very uncertain still. I don't think that it's um, out of the blue. I think that there's still a lot of change that needs to occur um, in, in, a, in a lot of different directions. And I think that we have good leadership and a new open mind from Lily. I've had so, a couple of conversations with her and I think her vision is good and I think she with her background with the NBA, can bring something new to our sport. Um, I've never understood why gymnastics is the first thing to sell out at the Olympics, but yet we can't sell out a crowd for our national championships. And there's some, I'm hoping with some marketing and some brilliant minds to come in and revitalize that part of our sport, that it's not just what you've seen this last two years, There's been a lot of hard work, and these are some of the most amazing athletes, hands down, beyond, I mean, you know, I can compare them to, like, a basketball player. Like, a basketball player, like, they're paid millions and millions of dollars, and they still miss a free throw. Like, a lot. And then you've got these little 14 to 16-year-old young ladies 
they get one chance on a balance beam that's four inches wide and that's their life. And so I think that there's so much that we could be capitalizing on and I'm hopefully hopeful that with some new direction, we can. Great, that's it. Olympic Channel Podcast. Big thanks to Christy. And I'm delighted to say that I have Mr. Scott Bregman on the line right now. Hello, Scott. Hey, Ed, how's it going? I'm <laughs> very well, I'm very, very well. Uh, Christy there mentioned Simone being the best of all time and you've seen her training ahead of Tokyo 2020. I mean, what can we expect? Should we expect fireworks at this US Nationals? We got to see her two weeks ago at the US Classic and she has once again added more and more skills to her repertoire and it's it's to the point where we're so spoiled that we sort of come to expect it, but it's still so so spectacular um this u.s championships is going to be so exciting i think she's thinking about doing even more difficulty she showed us a triple twisting double back which has never been done by a female gymnast before it's been done by a handful of of male gymnasts before but never by a woman um, and she's got a few other things that she could do to even push her difficulty even higher on vault and on balance beam so it should be super exciting she's the clear 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 favorite it would take I, I can't even describe probably the disaster it would take for her to not win her sixth title this week in Kansas City. So for someone who wants to keep an eye on Simone, what are kind of the big events in the run-up to Tokyo that people should make a mark in their diaries for? Yeah, after the U.S. Championships, the next big one will be the World Championships in October. They start October 4th in Stuttgart, Germany, and they run till the 13th. And then it's a little bit of a down period from there until probably late February, or early March. And then it's going to be go, 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 go straight to Tokyo. So she'll compete probably in, in March or April. And then late May and early June is going to be the U.S. Championships. And then the Olympic trials for women's gymnastics in the U.S. is, is the last weekend of June. And then she's off to Tokyo where she's, you know, got a chance to establish herself as the greatest female gymnast of all time and be the first gymnast to repeat in the all around um, since probably the 50s. It's been it's been forever since someone has won back to back titles. Obviously, there are other people competing there as well as Simone Biles. Who are the other people that we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, you know, U.S. Championships also has men's competition. And on the men's side, it's still all about Sam McCulloch. He, like Simone, is really likely to win his sixth U.S. title this weekend. And uh, if he doesn't, the most likely contender behind him is Yul Moldauer, who's the 2017 U.S. champion. He just finished up his NCAA career. But on the women's side, it is definitely not all just about Simone. I mean, they, they have incredible depth, and there's probably five women who are fighting for second and third place position at the U.S. Championships. And honestly, watching the U.S. Classic a couple weeks ago, it was a higher quality meet than I think we expect to see in the world all-around final, just because the best gymnasts in the U.S. are the best gymnasts in the world, and only two of them can compete in the all-around final. But it's going to be a battle between Riley McCusker, who we saw at Pan Am Games. She was the leading gymnast there uh, for the U.S. She got the silver medal. Kara Eaker was there, and she was absolutely stunning on balance beam. In the, in the final, it was probably the best balancing routine that's been done in the last decade. I mean, honestly, she just is so superior on that event to anybody else. Um, 
Grace McCallum didn't go to the Pan Am Games, but she's one of the world championship members from last year, and she was third at Classic. And of course, Morgan Hurd, who is the 2017 World All-Around Champion, and she was third last year in the Worlds. And she really wanted to go to Pan Am. She told me about how badly she wanted to be at a multi-sport game before the Olympics to have that experience. But I think she also recognized that uh, it's three meets in a row, basically all three weekends in a row for her. So she's taking it pretty slow and she's done that in the past. I think the year that she won the world title, she was sixth at the U.S. Nationals. So she's taking her time and I think we'll see, you know, some better gymnastics from her this week and uh, certainly in September and October. Wow. Very comprehensive overview there, definitely, Scott. Um, Morgan is actually part of our new series called All Around. The first episode is out right now. Uh, we've been following three gymnasts ahead of Tokyo 2020. It's complete behind-the-scenes access. Don't take my word for it. Here's a clip. Gymnastics means absolutely everything to me. Oh, an Olympic gold medal around my neck? That's all I can dream about. Guys, they're filming us. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, so funny. <laughs> You've been part of the team working on this. Um, could you just explain a little bit about what we see in the first episode and what should we expect going forward? Yeah, so it's Morgan and Angelina Malnikova from Russia and Chen Yola from China. And those are three gymnasts who are all in the top eight at last year's World Championship. So it's really exciting to be working with them. The first episode is is kind of an introduction to who they are and what their goals are. We're with uh, Morgan as she competes at the Tokyo World Cup, Angelina at the European Games, and uh, Chen Yali, we were at the Chinese Championships that she didn't compete at um, because she's coming back from an injury. But we did get to go um, to her home and meet her family. And it's a really emotional reunion because she has she lives in Beijing away from her family and she hasn't hasn't seen them uh, for a couple of years. So that's the first episode. Moving forward, it's just going to be I think all of them are really excited about telling how much goes into it that people don't normally see. It's not just those two weeks that everyone watches every four years. And I think that's what they've all said to us is they want to show how much hard work goes into it behind the scenes. Amazing. Scott, well, have fun in Kansas. Barbecue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of barbecue. My parents are there, so it's going to be a good time. <laughs> Thank you. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Podcast. Okay, I am at Eddie Knowles across all social media with an I and an E. Scott is sbregman87 and keep across Olympic Channel handles for all the latest on the all-around series and what goes down with Simone and the rest of the people at US National Championships. If you have enjoyed this week's podcast, then sharing Christie's story on social is 100% much appreciated. Get a tweet out or put it on your Insta story. Don't forget to tag us. Five-star reviews wherever you can, but especially on the podcast app. And if you found anything inspirational within this podcast, then put a quote or something in that review. It really, really does help. Anyway, that's it for now, though. See you soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.